I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. It's our confession of faith. I invite you to turn the back of your songbooks to page 876. What does the Bible teach us about believing in God the Father? Lord's Day 9, question and answer 26 on page 876. And then we'll see how our Lord teaches this in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6. What do you believe when you say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, that the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who out of nothing created heaven and earth and everything in them, who still upholds and rules them by his eternal counsel and providence, is my God and Father for the sake of Christ his Son. I trust God so much that I do not doubt he will provide whatever I need for body and soul. And will turn to my good whatever adversity he sends upon me in this veil of tears. He is able to do this because he's almighty God. He desires to do this because he's a faithful father. Then let's turn to Matthew 6. We'll read the last 11 verses. 24 through 34 of Matthew 6. Who do you worship? Who do you serve? God? Or stuff? That's the challenge Jesus opens with in verse 24. No one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink. Nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet, I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble." This is God's word. Congregation, may it be a blessing to us. Brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, true faith 
believes everything in the Bible. That's a lot. All the promises, all the commandments, all the miracles, all the truths, all the events, everything. And yet the bedrock of faith, as we've said, is believing in God. I believe in God. And the rest of the truth of the Bible is the house built on that bedrock. I believe in God. Which God? The Bible's God. I believe in God the Father, our Creator. I believe in God the Son, our Redeemer. I believe in God the Holy Spirit, our Sanctifier. I believe in God. And we want to examine that bedrock of faith under each heading in the coming weeks. First, what does it mean that I believe in God the Father, the Almighty Creator? And then what does it mean to believe in God the Son, our Deliverer? And then what does it mean to believe in God the Holy Spirit, our Sanctifier? What does it mean to believe in God? So let's start here. What does it mean to believe that God is the Father? The Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. What does that mean? What does that look like? How does that feel in your life? That's the first thing about what it means to believe in God. I believe in God the Father. The Father. That's who he is. And that means believing three basic things. We want to see, first of all, do you believe God is your father? Do you believe God is your provider? Or are you anxious about your life? Do you trust God in this veil of tears? Do you believe God is your father? Do you believe in God as your father? Again, that means believing three basic things. Number one, I believe in God the Father. It means first of all, I believe that God is the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is the eternal Father who has an eternal Son and an eternal Spirit. And so often the Bible praises God that way. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ or words like that. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. To believe in God means to believe in the Father and that he's the Father, the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. From all eternity, God's the Father of Jesus. That never started. Jesus one time said, I and the Father are one. No, they're not the same person. They're distinct persons in the Godhead. But they're one divine being, one substance, one God. I and the Father are one. John 10, 31. From eternity, the Father and the Son have known each other, the Bible says. Father knows the Son as the Son knows the Father. From eternity, they have loved each other. They've been talking to each other. They've been planning all things together. They even dwell in each other. I am in the Father and the Father's in me, said Jesus. That's how close they are. 
So believing in God the Father means that you believe he's the eternal father of our Lord Jesus Christ. But also secondly, that he's the father of all creation. That in the beginning, God the Father made everything through his son and in his spirit. By his almighty power, he spoke the word. And everything came into existence. According to God's perfect plan and perfect design, no mistakes, everything was very good. And he did it all in the space of six days and then rested on the seventh to enjoy his work, to train us how to live for him, to work six days and rest the seventh to remember our God and his works. He's the almighty creator and ruler over all his creation. Nothing happens apart from his work. Nothing happens apart from his plan. Nothing happens without his will or permission or ordaining. Just think about that, brothers and sisters. What a comfort. All the angels, all the devils, all the nations, all the kings of this world, all the people, all the events, all the storms, all the sicknesses, every aspect of your personality, every part of your background, all the wars in this world, it's all under him. I believe in God the Father, almighty creator and ruler. Do you believe in him? There was a time when I did not want to believe in this kind of God. That was too much. God of the good things, yes, but not God who controls the bad things. No, I can't believe that about God. But if you don't, then he's not absolute. Then he's not God. And then you can't trust him to work all things for your good either if he's not in control of all things. There are no loose threads in his weaving all things together in his perfect plan for all peoples, for his glory and for our salvation. No loose threads. Brothers and sisters, our God is not just mighty. He's almighty. I remember as a kid, my grandmother, my opu, stressing that to me many times in conversations. She said it in Dutch, but this is what it was. Satan is mighty, but God is almighty. Simple. So true and so important to take in and remember in this veil of tears when sometimes it looks the other way around. I know God is strong, but I think Satan is in charge around here. Uh Uh-uh. I believe in God the Father. So that's the first eternal father of Jesus Christ, father of all creation. And thirdly, my adoptive father. Through Jesus Christ. He made the world and everything in it. And we were all his children at the beginning in Adam and Eve. But Adam and Eve fell into sin. And we became estranged from God. And lost the status of children. And became God's enemies. 
And that's what we are by nature. But God sent his son who stood in the place of the enemy, estranged, separated from God, stood in our place. So we, through faith in Jesus, could be brought back into the family of God and become his children. Isn't that awesome? I believe that this almighty creator father, this eternal father of Jesus Christ is my dad, is my dad through faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says in John 1, 12, to all who received Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. Now, some teach the universal fatherhood of God. God is everyone's dad. God's everyone's father. No, in the beginning it was so, but after the fall, not only those now who truly believe in Jesus as their savior are God's children and belong to God's family. So those are the three things about believing in God as your father. And when I say I believe in God the Father, I'm saying that this almighty creator is my father through Jesus. And because I have his almighty power and his endless love on my side, ultimately nothing can go wrong. I'm safe forever, secure, forever loved with an almighty love that will never let me go. Never let me go. You know that verse. The eternal God is your refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. Deuteronomy 33, 27. And when you have a dad that has those two qualities, almighty power, even the devil is in his hand and all hurricanes and all cancer. Almighty power and endless love that will never let you go. Power without love, scary, deadly. Love without power, useless. But put those together, comfort, comfort. So, that's who he is. So do you trust in him as your almighty provider? You trust in him as your provider. That's where Jesus goes with his disciples in the Sermon on the Mount. He's training them what it means to be a follower of Jesus and a child of God, child of the heavenly father. And he's saying, is everything, has everything to do with the problem of anxiety? Faith in God through Jesus Christ is the cure to worry. He says, I'm bringing you into this new life, this new relationship with your heavenly father through me. And how does that look in this everyday life, in this valley of troubles? Because Jesus is teaching his disciples in a veil of tears where there's lots to take you down. There's lots to hurt you. There's lots to make you sad. There's lots that's too much for us to handle. And in that kind of world, he's saying, but you have your heavenly father. Trust in him. He will make everything good. 
So what does it mean to believe in God the Father when the clothes wear out? And the food runs out. And the war breaks out. When the bottom falls out. When your plans and hopes and dreams go out the window. Because sickness strikes. And your husband's unfaithful. And your child rejects God. And the housing prices are unaffordable. What does it mean to believe in God the Father? That's what Jesus is talking about. Trusting God in a fallen world. There's lots of evil. Lots of things go wrong. Lots of people holding the levers of power that you can't control. Lots of heartache, lots of heartbreak, lots of devastation, lots of disappointment. Max Lucado tells the story of what his dad used to do every night when they as a family were growing up in West Texas. They had a house with three doors, a front door, a back door, and a garage door, a side door. And every night, he would go to the front door and lock it, go to the back door and lock it, go to the side door and lock it, And then he would stand in the center of the house, that little house, and say, the doors are all locked. The house is safe. You can go to sleep. It's a great story. And that's really the Christian story. The father has brought us into his house. And he locks the front door, and he locks the back door, and he locks the side door, and he says, nothing can touch you. You're safe. No one can snatch you from my hand or from my house. And you know what? It's true. You can rest. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has just taught the disciples how to pray. Our Father in heaven. Earlier in Matthew 6. To lay all our needs before our heavenly Father even though he already knows them before we bring them to him. He wants us to confess our needs to him. But now he says at the end, but when you pray, do so in faith. Trust him to provide for you. Trust him to hear you and answer you and care for you. Therefore, I tell you, verse 25, don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? He's saying, take the issues of all your life's needs and all your body's needs. You belong to the Heavenly Father now. He's your God. You no longer have to think or imagine, it was a lie anyways, that you're in control of these things and you're in charge. You're not. Now you know. God's in charge. And this God is also your dad who loves you. So you've got power and love on your side. Give all your issues, your life's needs, your body's needs, your family's needs. 
and totally trust him to take care of you. That's what it means to believe in God the Father Almighty. And he says, here are three reasons you should trust him to take care of you, your heavenly Father. Verse 26, the first reason is the birds of the air. Take a look at them. They don't take out the seed drill or the corn planter in the spring. They don't take out the combine in the fall. They're not working. They're not preparing. But your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? So you do work and prepare. You're of much more value than the birds. You have much more reason to know and trust and believe and to be assured that your father will feed you than even the birds. Second reason, 27. And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to a span of life? Who, by worrying, has increased either his quantity of life or his quality of life? I assure you both are reduced by worry. We live less, don't live as long, and our quality of life decreases. So don't go that way. It doesn't work. And then thirdly, the lilies and the grass. Why are you anxious about clothing? Verse 28. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? And Jesus is not calling us to throw away hard work, planning, medicine. No, he's saying, you work, you save, you vote, you take your medicine, you study hard for your exams, you plan, you prevent. But do this knowing that you're not in charge of your life. That's the worldview of faith in God. Of believing the truth that God is the Father. And your Father through Jesus Christ. You're not in charge. Though you do all, you're not in charge. And that's the key to destroying anxiety and worry. Rather than trying to take control and think we're the owners of things that we can't control. And even if we did, we would worry that we're not doing the right steps in controlling. You give it to your father who is in control and takes all the right steps, makes all the right choices, the wise choices, and does so for the good of his people. And then you give it to him and you let him do with your life whatever pleases him. Knowing that he will do you only good. Here in this veil of tears. Until he returns or calls you home. And enter the ultimate good 
of paradise. And so, brothers and sisters, let's leave all things in his hand in the full assurance that through Christ, God is our Father, and he loves us, body and soul, and he takes care of us, body and soul, and he'll do nothing to hurt us, body or soul, and then everything will bring us to glory, body and soul. That's where life with the Father is heading. And then, knowing that, believing that every day, and then when we're tempted away from that, going back to him, Father, help me to trust you for Christ's sake, to believe that through Jesus, this is going to work out for good. You're going to work it out for good. Then I can lie down, as the psalmist says, And sleep in peace, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. So again, the question, do you believe in God the Father? And that through Christ his Son, who took all your unworthiness away, who brought you into God's family so you're his child. Through his son, you're worth a lot to him. God values you. He loves you and he will take care of you. Can I say, as the catechism says, I trust him so much that I do not doubt he will provide whatever I need for body and soul. And turn to my good, whatever adversity he sends me in this veil of tears. He's able to do this because he's almighty God. He desires to do this because he's a faithful father. Oh, we never live up to that confession all the way, do we? Because so much comes our way to test that faith. And to tempt us away from trust. And to lure us into worry. And we keep needing to come back to this bedrock. Stand on the promises. And stand on the power of God. And stand on the love of God. And stand on the word of God. And go back to the foundation Because apart from that foundation, everything wavers. And again, put our little lives into his big hands and say, I hear you, Father. The front door is locked. The back door is locked. The side door is locked. Everyone in your house is safe. You can go to sleep now. It's a simple teaching but very difficult to practice because of all that comes our way in this veil of tears. And true faith is not just a one-time decision at some point in your life and then you just let it go dormant. True faith is the daily exercise of trusting in your God and Father and Savior and Sanctifier. 
and always coming back to him, back to him, because I cannot live without him in this veil of tears, in this place of trouble. Maybe we struggle with not being able to find someone to marry or with disability or sickness taking over our life or not being able to find affordable housing, facing the increasing ungodliness of our culture or we're in the spot where the complexity of technological life and distraction of social media are just strangling you, taking you down. And we got to go back. Let's see, thirdly, the challenge of Jesus here. Or will you be anxious about your life? Therefore, he says in verse 31, here's a conclusion. Do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly fathers know, Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. You see the word seeking in verse 32? The Gentiles seek after food, drink, clothing. They pursue it. They make it their life's goal. They seek it. Jesus uses the same word in verse 33. But what do you seek? You seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. In a sense, you're called to worry, and we're called to be anxious, but about the kingdom. Are you pursuing the kingdom? Good. Are you pursuing food and clothing? Not so good. Let me close with this difference of cultures where we might be living as children of the Heavenly Father. Some cultures, there's persecution and poverty. People are being starved out and left with low-paying jobs that are not enough to provide for their families. Then Jesus says, don't worry about what you're going to eat, wear, or drink. Seek the kingdom. And there's so many stories of people living in these situations, giving their needs to the Lord. And an amazing way God hears their prayers and provides for them until he calls them home. But other Christians live in affluent cultures where we're prone to worry because we're obsessed with having more. It's never enough. And we work and worry ourselves into a frenzy just to have the more, the extras, the the accessories, the luxuries, the higher standard of living, the new or the next new thing. And you know, every time I add something to my collection, I have something more to worry about and we just get stuck in this frenzy of worry in our affluent culture. You know, the poem overheard in an orchard said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush around and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, friend, I think that it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. You have to learn to live with less. Be satisfied with less. 
as D.A. Carson says, drop the mad race toward more and more possessions and seek the kingdom. Make that our goal means knowing Christ, growing in Christ, sharing in Christ, seeking to gather the sheep of Christ and making that our first thing, our all in all. Yes, we've been rescued from the misery of idolatry and worried worry. We've been rescued from a life in which we are on our own, to know that we're no longer our own, but we belong to God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. A God who loves us, has all power, and cares for all our needs. Let's trust in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we call upon your name with thanksgiving because in you the house is secure. We're safe. We can rest. Help us to keep going back to this truth, Lord, in a world where so much wars against the truth of your fatherly care, love, and kindness, and power. Help us, Lord, to give our lives to you continually and find rest in your almighty hands. Go with us. Bless us. And as we enjoy the truth of this worldview of God the Father, may that truth shine from our lives and lead those around us to say, where did you find that peace? they too might be drawn to know you through Christ, trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.